Dave and Bacon Safety Tales, the only industrial safety podcast that brings you common sense advice on job site safety, standards, regulations, and industry best practices without putting you to sleep. We're good? All right. Hey, let's get going here. Hey, guys, welcome to another episode of Dave and Bacon Safety Tales. It's a hot one. Um, we're right in here in the middle of summer, getting recorded. You're about to. You're playing golf tomorrow. I played over. I played over the yeah, weekend. Yeah, I, I, it's gonna be. It's gonna be awful. There, there's not enough powder and changes of shirts to make <laughs> that even worth it. I, I was just looking at. We got our. Uh, we got these smart thermostats or whatever. So I'm sit, I'm sitting there and I get the, the the. Uh, it kind of tells oh, the building? me what what the difference in usage was. And our consumption in June downstairs was only up 10%. But guess what our consumption upstairs was? Up 30. 40. 40? 40%. <laughs> 40%. So it's, it's uh, oh, it's awful. Yeah. Awfully hot. <laughs> yeah, I played uh, golf over the weekend. And it was actually a pretty nice little breezy day. But and we were done before noon. So it uh, it's not too bad. But you're talking about going out about noon tomorrow, right? Yeah, it's like a right before lunch shotgun. A couple where, beers where, in there, dehydrate yourself nicely. Oh yeah, where you're, you're. I'll probably have a couple adult beverages, a couple Gatorades, and not pee until like Saturday right. afternoon or something. Yeah. I mean, pee, it'll be looking like you're peeing butt heavy. Yeah, yeah. So, hey everyone, uh, Fred and Dave here, um, Quad City Safety. So. Please reach out to us if you have any questions or concerns or have any comments about the podcast. Reach out to us on social media. Um, we're here to help. So you don't just have to listen to the podcast and be like, wow, I got a good question about what they're talking about. Let me uh, swallow that and I'll take it to bed with myself tonight. Ask. Ask and we'll help you out. So Yeah, we've gotten some recent feedback. So we, we love hearing that people are listening to this because yeah. so, uh, sometimes... You know, without a lot of feedback, you don't know that anybody cares. And while it doesn't take us a lot of time, we do put our, we do put some time and effort into making sure that we're coming up with stuff that's relevant, uh, stuff that uh, maybe you, you don't think of often. And that's one of the things that will be, you know, our topic of the day is something that it's probably not much. It's not probably something that people have a written plan on, but it's one that you need to shake the dust off and look at it from time to time yep we're talking emergencies today so emergencies was the last time you made a trip to the emergency room um i was in the emergency room three times last year before they finally admitted me okay and what was uh you know you learn a lot you know like certain codes are for we have a gunshot wound coming in yeah and you just kind of watch it and you're like i wonder what that one is because everybody is freaking out but uh no i was the last time i was in i was with right before i was admitted to the hospital right before the fourth of july and so if you can imagine you know fourth of july yeah you got you got people that are missing fingers from fireworks and you know some good 187s you know drive by so you got yeah you know kids shot up and everything so yeah yeah emergency room is a horrible place to be i've only i'm and i'm only there late at night it seems like i I have like a 
couple little ones, so yeah. it's been there with high, super high fevers. Yeah. Not the last time I was in an emergency room for myself would have been like 20 years ago when I was playing baseball and I ran into a fence and the top of the fence went through my face. So it tore me up pretty good. But Yeah, I had one with Maverick like that one time where he was uh, he was on his bike and kind of planted and somehow the handlebars like hit him and made yeah. that perfect laceration. And, you know, me, I'm sitting there going, stitches or no stitches? Yeah. And finally I'm like, that's big enough. We should probably go. It's on his some. face. Yeah. Right. So we went to the, the old ER and sat there for a while. And we were still sitting in the the lobby five hours later. Oh, really? So finally, I just said, "Ah, let's go get some some skin glue and some some." Bandage. And you left. Yep. After five hours. Yep. <laughs> left and went home, and you, you can't really see the scar. Okay. So I did pretty. I did pretty good. Pretty I would have said at five hours, you're pot committed. What's that? You're pot committed. Well, at five the whole hours, time I'm be... just trying to keep the, the wound wet. You know what I'm saying? So it doesn't, you know, start, you know, so they don't have to scrape it out or anything. Yeah. You know, cause more pain to get it going. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, facility emergencies or emer- having an emergency plan in place. Basically, so. I think the goal of that was to say it's a real crappy place to end up. So <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll try to precursor how to not get there. Yeah, not get in the emergency room facility wise yeah and you know high deductibles and all that stuff so i guess you kind of start about um what constitutes an emergency that could happen in a facility so weather would be well, like the yeah, first one I mean, would be like a weather related issue when we talk about emergencies again um how to say it's anything that's going to th- threaten you know the security life health of an employee so you know, a lot of times when we sit there and we go emergency plan, it can be, it can be your tornado, it can be an earthquake, it can be flooding. Um, but we also have a new world that we live in, and so it could be an active shooter. Yeah, fire. It could be a fire. It could be, um, it could be a uh, cardiac instance, a first aid instance, or a, a breakout, a chemical something. Yep. Breakout type thing. And. A lot of facilities that have the bigger hazards a lot of times have done a good job of going in there because, you know, they got to know, you know, from a spill standpoint what's going to happen. So a lot of times it's, this is not really geared at you big, big, you know, you know the bigger facilities because a lot of times they'll have that in place. I think it's more geared towards the, the smaller facilities that have them. And realistically, again, this is not a uh, end-all meaning we're not going to give you the recipe to get everything taken care of, but just wanted to sit there and kind of have a conversation of, you know, what kind of things that we need to talk about. And so as we start talking about that, that's where we, we start this disaster plan is to identify what can happen and when that happens, what we do, where we go, um, and what we might need to work in the you know in the middle of it and then what the end game looks like and then finally how we you know account for uh, people and make sure that you know everybody you know it's always good when you come back and you hear you know uh, when we were kids they would we would uh they'd always say sound off and we would be in a line and we'd go one two three four so everybody would count down 
And so whoever was with us would know, we, I have 20 kids. Yeah. And then he'd go, sound off, and you'd always get to like 11, and then no 12. And you're like, okay, we have a problem. We know that we're missing, we're, 12. We're missing 12, whoever 12 is. So making sure that, you know, that we, we don't leave somebody behind, you know, it would, would suck to have a fire and all of a sudden we go to do a head count and think we got everybody and, right. you know. Well, I think that's also a lot of times why sometimes it seems corny in different places. Like when I know we go into facilities and they make you sign in on a visitor log so that way they know everyone that's in the building in case shit goes down. Yep everyone's accounted for this person is in we had all our people but where Where, is is fred where's fred at yep fred maybe you know he doesn't know our plan hunkered hunkered down in a bathroom somewhere comes out and where'd everybody go (laughs) right (laughs) i had a real grumpy a little bit ago yeah mexican food got me and what's happening it's smoky i have no idea what to do now and and that's a lot of times also i know you know whether it's contractors or even people like us sometimes it'll be like Hey, can you just sit down and watch this yeah. twenty second safety video? Right. And a lot of times it's like, we have really nasty caustic chemicals and shit. And if you run out of the building, look to the women's sock and run away from that. Yeah. Good enough. Good yeah. to know. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Um so I guess for in a lot of cases when we're talking here, we can get into Having that plan in effect, and probably yeah, so, a written so, plan, so, a trained plan. Well, yeah, you have you have to figure out what you might need. Meaning, obviously, I don't think the day that we have a hurricane in Iowa. Yeah, I think it's I think it's the end of the world. We should just check everything in. End of days. That's, yeah, that's it. Uh, King Kong will be climbing the the, the sharknado yeah shark, some, some, there you go fine fine the sharknado will have happened and then and it will all be over at that point right so it's figuring out you know what you have or more of a propensity so you know certain areas have a higher propensity to earthquakes right. some might have a higher you know uh risk of flooding and right. flooding and sometimes these these disasters or emergencies are one or the other, you know, so the timeliness, because a lot of times, uh, not too often do you have a flood that just literally, you know, pops up like uh, yeah, yeah. in an hour. I mean, yeah, there can be stuff like that, but that's usually the guy that looks at the water and goes, I think I can get across that only to find out that it's, oh, that water's six, six feet deep. I have a family member that, here recently in Des Moines when they had all the flooding out there, she got, her and her boyfriend got stuck in the water where they were driving to the point where they got out and were sitting on top of the car and had to come get rescued because they drove in. They were younger kids, so probably didn't know exactly what they were looking at. And you're like, ah, I can make it through. And then all of a sudden, water starts coming in your car. Yeah. Like, oh, shit. shit. Yeah. The boat's got a leak. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. So they got out and got out of the car, but they got rescued. But then, of course, it's every... Tom, Dick, and Harry out there is like, well, these idiots, what were they, you know, what are they doing? And it's like, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah, no doubt about it. So most of this stuff is going to be, we should understand that it's going to happen. You know, let's say that from a fire standpoint, you know, part of your 
emergency plan should probably be, do we have smoke detectors? Have we checked the batteries? Do we have a system? Have we checked that system? Yeah. And a lot of locales will, you know, kind of regulate that, meaning I know here our, our, our the Davenport Fire Department does a good job of staying on top of us to come in and go, you know, sometimes we're not always as good at doing inspections as we should, but, you know, they kind of come around and go, you know, has this been done or, you know, serve letters or whatever. So some of it's, you know, as it depends on what you're looking at, there's going to be some some housekeeping items that you have to do, but there's also the, okay, so when this catches on fire, what do we do? Where are we going to go? Yeah. You know, so identifying those earlier than later is, is, is kind of a big deal. Okay. Um, active shooter one is, it seems like uh, about three days a week, there's something on the news about an active shooter, so this is probably not something that's going to go away. Yeah. Uh, probably will will continue, but it's it's training people on how to deal with with those situations, and like a lot of schools are already doing that. So it's again, this is you know uh, from an emergency standpoint it's something that's you know it's got a high risk it happens really quick so you have to respond you have to respond timely and so you know a lot of times that there's codes that go out so that it identifies that this is going on then there's protocols you know and I'm going into schools right now is a lot of times the protocols for schools will be to barricade so right. they're you know they've made a lot of little widgets now that can keep uh, you know an active shooter from entering every classroom you know, kind of channeling it off. It can be staging, you know, identifying we're in a high risk area. Okay. Well, maybe we, maybe we need somebody there to deal with it on site instead of respond to it. Yeah. So there's a lot of things that people have to work through to get that plan. And again, like we, we kind of gave the precursor, the goal here is not to tell you how to create a plan. It's to just to kind of warm your brain up to, Let's think about this. What do we have? And what are we going to, you know, if this happens, what are we going to do? Right. Yeah, the, the next thing I had down was, um, looks like pla- uh, packing a, like a kit yeah, to have well, ready for some different hazards. Well, and... Or not necessarily some, hazards, but emergencies, certain well, emergencies. Well, you know, when we talk about kits, is it can be okay. Let's say it's a tornado. Right. Okay. And tornado warnings can go on for a period of time, you know, bad weather, whatever it is. So you may have to hunker down. And you should really have these not just at work. You should have something like this at home. So that when you, when you, when all of a sudden it's, uh uh-oh, what, what is that? It's not noon in bluegrass. There's a, that's. That's an alarm. It's not the first Tuesday of the month. Yeah, yeah, you know, so there's, we know, wait a second, it is one o'clock in the morning and that thing's blurring, which means that somebody somewhere has enough of a level of give a shit to say, y'all be aware that something bad's coming through. Yeah. So, so at that point in time, you should respond to it. You should respond to it if you're in your office or you should respond to it uh, even if you're at home. What, what some of us do, some of us grab our cell phones go outside and start looking around trying to see if we can't be the next, you know, the guy that gets featured on the, the six o'clock news for yeah. the weather spotter of the month. Or have whatever. you been in a, have you been in a tornado like where it was on you? Yeah. Yeah. When, 
when I was like when I was a kid, we had a tornado back to back years on the same day. The same day, back to back years. Yep. Okay. And so the first Pretty one freaky. though the first one, yeah, it was in Parkview. And the first one I remember just being in the living room, hanging out, tornado warnings, you're watching the news, and then my dad's like looking out the back window and like probably I don't know, maybe a football field from our house, a garage just goes gone. <laughs> garage is just gone. He goes, Fred, I think it's time to get down to the basement. <laughs> and so we run down to the basement. And well, what the tornado did was it wiped out that garage, picked up some trees, threw those around, bounced in our backyard, bounced over the house, hit another building on the other side of our house, smoked it completely, and well, then just took off on its way. Somehow bounced in our yard. You could see where the grass was all torn up, yeah. flew over. But then I do remember on the news, the person that had that garage, <laughs> bad to say, now it's 20 years ago, you know. Anyways, they had like a beer can collection in that garage of like just old different yeah. beer cans and stuff like that. And so the garage gets laid out. Beer cans are everywhere. And they're on the news like, crying about their beer can collection like, yeah that ended up happening so scary shit that when it when it beer all goes can, down old beer cans are actually worth a lot of money really yeah you drank ones well what they would do was if you'll see them they'll take they'll poke a hole in the bottom yeah and drain it from the bottom so the can stays and that's worth and it's worth mo- an empty beer can is worth money uh my ex, wheaties box my ex-father-in-law bought his house with his beer can collection. He sold his beer can collection and had enough. Oh, to, man. It's like baseball cards. I mean. It is. It, it's all, everything. Someone's got to pay for we're it. We're having this conversation when there's Bitcoin. Yeah. I mean, something that. We went through Beanie Babies. What is a, what is a, well, at least a Beanie Baby, you have some Tangible. little. Something to hold. I mean, how you sit there and you go, well, this Beanie Baby's worth 50 bucks. And this, this one with the Grateful Dead logo <laughs> embroidered on it. Yeah. Versus not. So. All right, we're getting way off. We're getting oh, way yeah. off. So but yeah, back into you know, uh, knowing what that plan is is well, what are we planning for that we talked about? Are we talking about you know again active shooter tornadoes, flooding, earthquakes? Uh, maybe it's a first aid. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's res- uh, related to uh, first aid CPR. Uh, so again understanding what we're kind of working the plan for and then while it's you know to what what is the cue for everybody what how do you shoot the how do you shoot the firing uh you know everything has to have a start so at some point in time you know like when your dad looked at you and said fred i think it's time for us to get to the basement (laughs) right so we need to have we need to have that button yeah or you know so whatever whatever we page or however we do that you know, again, that can be smoke detectors, smoke alarms, or whatever. Yep. Um, then in that plan, in a lot of cases, it's going to be we need to get to somewhere. So we need to get out of where we're at, or we need to get to a place in where we're at. Yep. That leads me to the next topic, visual cues or signage, basically. Yeah, because, you know, let's let's use Fred had a real bad Mexican meal yep. and is, you know, on site somewhere and he comes out and he's watched the safety video and it says, if this happens, you need to go here. Yep. Well, in all cases, there's probably a good, there's a chance that he's, he's left there and goes, I, I really, you know, I don't, I don't know where the yellow brick road is. 
And so having, you know, having some stuff mapped out or a way to get somewhere is pretty, pretty important, especially like tornadoes and things like that that happen pretty quick. And, you know, if you get to a place that's marked a tornado shelter, unless somebody has really failed at scoping the fact that it's away from windows, that it's, you know, preferably below grade, all, all the good stuff to pick, you're probably going to be okay if you get there. Right. May take a day or two for them to dig you out, but that then that comes that plays plays to the having that bag that man, now we're trapped under the stairs. We're alive. Right. The house is not above us or the building you know, the building is gone above us, but yeah. we're sitting here. You got these minor the mining kids stuck in the mine and Absolutely. Wherever. And what's what's uh I've been on some calls where we've talked to coal miners. Yeah underground coal miners and they have rooms set up for that so that if something happens they literally have like everything that they need for 20 something you know they have lighting ready they have food ready water ready yeah but you know granted that that's a real extreme that's a real extreme situation but the the i guess what the where i'm trying to put that is a lot of times is yeah there's an extreme consequence and a high probability of that. We shouldn't treat everything that, well, if we don't have, you know, tornadoes, we haven't had a tornado go through here in 20 years. If the, if that's your statement to it, yeah, to not do it, you might want to at least try to rethink that. Yeah. Because it's not 1980 anymore. We're, you know, we're, we're a little bit ahead of, uh, how to say with the a lot of times the goal in safety is to get to where we have you know the the role of zero or get to where we don't injure anybody or we don't you know kill anybody in to get there you you gotta you gotta look at everything can't leave any stone unturned yeah um one thing i know you've brought up in the past to me was um something like the lit stuff so the power goes out people can't really see where they're going so you have some of these there's the technology's advanced where there's glow in the dark yeah you have photoluminescent tapes things on the floor that will tell you where kind of to to go to follow to get to your shelter and then it's labeled in the tape or whatever so the the shit goes down and i come running out of the bathroom i can see on the floor and and like they'll have like little decals it'll be tornado squiggles yeah or you know what i'm it's uh, i think on the visual cues is what you were right referring to it as um, yeah, there's all kinds of stuff that you can have visual cues. Visual visual cues can be, you know, again, uh, marking where your fire extinguishers are, marking emergency exits. Yeah. Um, marking, don't go here. Right. You know, because you always hear of the, you know, people that are trying to get out and um, a lot of buildings sometimes may have rooms that you know it's like don't go that's not there's no way to get out of there from here yeah it's like this is not an exit i mean it's on how to about every interstate if you look at them backwards like on the on ramps and everything if you're going the wrong way if you look at it go don't enter here this is not where you don't go here so again the visual cues whether negative don't do it or mapping out how you get it um like acuform has sign maps where you you kind of print your you are here you need to go here yeah 
you can run up that it's photoluminescent so you can see it in the dark and you got a good idea of you know hopefully i know where i'm going yeah if you haven't seen some of that stuff please reach out to us we'll get you the information that you need um and again, and again this whole plan yeah to to prepare it and to send it out in you know an email and make everybody aware of it we're not spending a lot of money yeah uh, so I think a lot of times people or do are, once a year do a little training thing yeah. on it for 15 minutes. I mean, every year that I rode a school bus, they would pull up one day and they'd go, "Okay, we got to figure out how to get out of the school bus." So right. they would go over this half. If this we can go out this door, we're going to go out, and then the rest of them, the two people in the back, are going to jump out and help everybody. And then we had the Carrollton bus crash where we killed killed a bunch of people in Kentucky in a school bus. Then they kind of opened, then they made it to where, well, maybe we should have some of these windows that can open because yeah. they, it, it was incapacitated to get out the emergency exits. And Ugh. I forget how many people died, but it was... No bueno. It was like 30 kids. Jesus. Um, so the back to the preparedness, disaster preparedness kit that you have. So, I mean, some you can have water, food... Your first aid kits, AD, you know, somebody goes, somebody goes down, whether it's uh, your weather radio, maybe a whistle, your fire extinguisher, um, and we, then you have lighting, flashlights, yep, um, all that lighting. type of stuff that you have all that stuff ready to go. We have more and more customers that are paying attention to the, uh, you know, when we sit there and talk about emergency disaster planning, that it's, hey, I'm like this guy that's working in North Dakota on a wind farm. Yeah. And... What do I do if I get stuck? Yeah. So they'll have a they'll have that emergency kit that's you know, it's got a little bit of food. It's got a little bit of you know. It's got a little bit of. Yeah. I think usually they'll have a candle. They'll have enough stuff in there that this is this is bad. So we're yeah. hunkering down because we may lose you for a day or two before we can get something in there to come retrieve you. Yeah. So and communicating. Stay in the truck. Stay. <laughs> right. This letting people know versus if people respond themselves, they're going to walk and they, they, there's a chance that they're going to do something that they should. Yeah. Some examples of some visual cues as well. I have map holders where we're talking signs and tags and floor tape and maybe barricades, pipe markers, um, some of that stuff. Just when it goes down, you need to be able to clearly identify what's what how to get out of there, what you can touch, what you shouldn't be touching, what you need to stay away from, yep. all that stuff. So um, how about... And it helps the response too. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. So when, again... Somebody's not, coming from outside the building in yeah, to help everybody I'm coming out. in okay. and I'm sitting there looking what at... What do I got here? I'm yeah. looking at a pipe and I go, what is that? Yep. And if it's water, okay, I can deal with water. Yep. If it's, if it's hydrofluoric yep. acid or something like... I don't want to use an axe uh, to get somebody out of there. Not, 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 yeah. not going to do that. Right. So, um, so seeking shelter and then maybe it's knowing when to evacuate would be kind but of that's, the next. But that's having that alarm case. Is yeah. The, who, who, who is the champion that, you know, blows the whistle? Right. You know, meaning whether it's an active shooter, a lot of that stuff is going to be generated by, you know, listening for an alarm you know it could be a fire alarm internal fire alarm it could be you know the most 
towns of any size will have, you know, a, a weather siren or something that goes right. off. And when that's triggered, it's, it's, hey, okay, let's just go through the motions per se, but in an effort to try to not have to go through a, you know. A, For sure. A, you know, hopefully not a funeral or, you know, emergency room as we kind of started everything. Up. But then, so now you've realized, okay, we can, it's safe to go outside because the, the weather is past us and everything, but still you're in a building you might have some dangerous shit that's going on inside of your building. And so you kind of got to do, have a post-disaster assessment before people start climbing out. Like there could be the pipe that you were talking about that got crushed by something. And now all of a sudden this chemical's in the air and you need, everyone needs to be wearing a respirator before they start exiting outside of that. Or you need to get a couple gas detectors fired up to make sure that the confined space that someone's in is maybe safe to go through. Um, yeah, and then, or maybe it's, hey, I need, this wasn't a hazard when we started the day, but now yeah. because of all this shit that just happened, this is a hazard, so I need to block that off so that people don't walk in there yeah, and I try mean, and look at that that's, stuff. That's a very good point is when you're you're making your place where you're going to weather out, you need to make sure that there is some level of easy egress out of it. Yeah. So that you don't go, this is the, the safest place before and during the storm but after the storm this is the worst possible place on the planet that we could be yeah because we're in the middle of the nuclear reactor right. waiting you know we made it through but now everybody's gonna have radiation nuts. poison yes yeah. we didn't pay enough attention to that and so probably most importantly all this stuff that we're talking about when you when you have this plan is you have to practice it you got to practice it and practice it over and over again until it becomes second nature to people otherwise and even still it's going to happen that people will it's happening. Everyone's freaking out. Like yeah. you're at a concert and there's a fire, there's a shooter at the concert and everyone sprints for the door and they trample each other and everyone kills yeah. each other trying to get out of the building yeah. instead of what's happening into it because you don't practice that situation and you panic. Yep. So the more prepared that you can be, the better shot you've got to make everyone make it out Ooh, of their hole. Bad one. What? Soft target shot. Shot? I'm just messing with you. Okay. I, I missed even the joke. Yeah. Okay. Just, all right. Good enough. So we're going to put, we'll call that for uh, the day, unless you want to talk. Is there anything else you want to hit on on that? Oh, uh, no. Okay, cool. So move on to our, our dumbass of the week this week. It's hot. We're moving around. So the residential roofer is out again. Um, this is one that happens every single spring and summer that do they have. Is there a residential roofing standard for fault protection as of yet, to your knowledge, that exists? It's, it's on and off, and when it's on, it's narrowly enforced. So. Okay. So you still see... Residential roofing is still this black hole. Yeah. Because it's hard. Rolling over gutters. It's, it's hard. Into bushes, it's hoping hard. they land in bushes. Oh, yeah. The right kind of bushes. <laughs> yeah, not a thorn bush. Yeah. But I'll take a thorn bush versus a driveway. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll take my chances yeah. there. But. You can probably head trauma. You'll come, come out. Might... Yeah, you're gonna come out ahead. But yeah, that's. I, so I don't know how to how to really tackle it. Whether it's requiring the people that you hire to to keep themselves safe or or what. I guess it's all on the the contractor. I'm talking about yeah the residential roofer like that doesn't want to wear fall protection because he doesn't want to buy the stuff because it's cumbersome while he's up there trying to do his yeah, job. But a lot of that is just misnomers. There's enough stuff out there these days that 
it's not as hard as it used to be. Okay. Um, so I would challenge people to just go out there and look at look at something new if yeah. you're doing that. But again, a lot of it is what is the slope of the surface that we're on? If if we're at you know, I mean if you're if you got tow bars to kind of hold on, right? You probably you know again your risk is a lot higher. You know, I hate to say this, but how high, high are you? Right. Meaning, you know. Is it death if I fall off of this, or is it maybe a fractured ankle? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's and, do a risk and realistically, assessment. how to say, you probably, you, you're, you got a good chance because, you know, when you look at people, that's what's always funny is when you look at where people actually die. Yeah. More people die, like, in that four or five foot range. Okay. Then if you get above the 10-foot range, because at, at that point in time, you haven't had time to correct, and usually your head hits. Yeah. And once you get the head trauma, that's where a lot of those low-distance falls, that's what gets you. It's not the fall. It's not your shoulder hitting or, you know, a bone breaking. It's that your your melon got split open, and right. now you've got, you know, swelling on the brain, and you're, you're dead. So... There's fall protection out there for the residential roofer, so protect yourself. Don't be a dumbass. All right. And let me just add something yeah. to that is give somebody a break. I mean, <clears throat> also when you look at the reason that there's so many accidents and incidents is it's still the factor of fatigue comes into everything. Yeah. So if it's if it's hotter than hell and... and you haven't been, you know, you're not doing electrolyte replacement or drinking enough water. You're going to become fatigued. Your judgment is going to be impaired. Yeah. And at that point in time, you might as well be drunk because you basically are operating, on, you know, about the same capacity. Okay. Let's move on to a Q&A for the week. Uh, just a few questions here and we'll hammer through them and then we'll move on. So number one, how should I approach servicing and maintenance for emergency safety showers and eyewash stations? Well, <laughs> depends on who you are. Okay. Because a lot of people still want to sit there and go, well, our eyewash stations are those bottles. Well, that's more of a first aid. That's not. I, I still struggle to call that an eyewash station because when you look at the standard, it's going to require a continuous flow. It's, it's, it's got rules right. it's got to be tepid water there's all these little rules that go with it to call it that yep so first of all is identifying you know the fact that you got what you got so let's say it's an eyewash station is you know you have to you have to test them and inspect them make sure that they work make sure that uh, they're clean make sure that they they work correctly make sure that uh, like a lot of the newer systems that are out there for eyewash that are not plumbed you need to make sure that how long has that water been in there right and there are inspection alarms and tools out there uh, we got one on our website that Fendall makes is basically it's a little countdown clock that says you know you can put how often you want to inspect it and it kind of right. it kind of kind of gives you a go no go yeah so that somebody walking past going you know why the hell is that flashing? Why is that flashing? Right. Usually, if something's flashing or it's, it's red or something like that, you should go over and kind of, you know, you, universally, I think we've got 
red and green down. Right. And usually that's what a lot of alarms will do is green. Yeah, your thumbs up, it's red. It's a go. It's uh, a no, no, Time no. out. Let's blow the whistle. Yeah, no, no, no. Not today. But, you know, again, depending on what you're dealing with, I mean, it can be a, it can be chosen by an employer or it's mandated. You know, most of them, are, you need to give a once over at least once a month. Okay. Just to make sure that, I mean, I will task everybody that's listening to this podcast as you're walking around. The little bottles that we said are a bad idea. You're going to see them everywhere. Right. Pay attention to how many of them have actually opened and about half the solutions out of. And it will be, you will be, you will laugh yourself silly because I would say probably one in four bottles that I see has actually been opened and there's part of the part of the bottle is missing and there's dust and, and crap all, all right around the, the rim of it and, and, and it's just that right in your and it's just sitting there yeah so that's just a funny casual aside that, that you can when you walk through i don't care whether it's a restaurant or an airport or whatever i see this stuff and i just i just laugh because i'm like they should care but i mean yeah. i understand i can understand where it's overlooked but it's kind of yeah yeah for sure one thing i started seeing um, I've seen it a couple times now. It's like the old eyewash station that's like sitting there. And you're like, what is going on with this old dirty eyewash station? They're like, oh, no, we got another one that's right over here. We put in a new one over here. Well, yeah. it's like, well, tear that one out of there so that way when someone's panicking and they got stuff in their eyes and they're like, where's the eyewash station? They don't run to this dirty old one. <laughs> From 1994, that has It has no plumbing to it. Even yeah. they pulled the pipes from. Yeah, it, that's so. a valid point. I actually have seen that. Yeah. So number two, uh, how differences between the EN and anti gloves cut resistant standard, and which should we be following? Um, if we're in the United States, it's a mixture. So when we look at uh, what it refers to is. From a from a standpoint, is it looks at the U.S. not the EN EN three eighty eight is kind of the standard that covers uh, puncture, tear, abrasion, uh, can test thermal ability. There's all kinds of little things that right. can can happen under there. Um, when you from an OSHA standpoint, it refers back to EN for everything but cut, and then it refers to ANSI for the cut portion. Okay. So you'll see a lot of numbers on gloves, and it depends on really what you're looking for. Most of the time, people are looking for a cut resistance on a glove to be is what they're looking at the labeling. Right. It can be other things because again, maybe maybe maybe. Um, Abrasion. Might abrasion be may be important to you. Yeah. So if you need a higher abrasion, then you're going to look at that that EN score, and uh, trying to remember, it's uh, act professionally. So ACTP. So it's abrasion, cut, tear, tear, puncture in the EN three eighty eight. Yep. I have to remember a little acronym. To, otherwise, I'll never. You look at the numbers, and everybody's like, "What's this mean?" And hold on a second, I got to think about this a little yeah. bit because I'm not. I'm not really sure which one, which numbers, which. But we we do still find that someone would be like, "I need a cut level people, four. People people get a fixated on a number, right? 
instead of what which number what do do they actually need. Yeah, what do they actually need? Right. Okay. Cool. Um, because we're actually seeing an uptick as the the market when everybody came in there and they rushed to cut resistance, everybody just went straight to two. So there was three, fours, and fives, but nobody bought them because there was such such a range of right. things and they didn't really know why the and now the the four is the new two. So where we have more and more customers requesting to go up and cut resistance, they've identified we will. At first it was we weren't wearing any cut resistant gloves and we got cut so we put something on. Right. And now they're realizing, well, we're, we're, we, we're, we don't cut as many people, but we're still having them. And so, you know, they, you, they kind of, they either go up in projection or they have a knee jerk. Yeah. You know, because we'll have people who go. I need a nine. I need, yeah, I need a nine. No, you probably, let's take a look at this. And, you know. You don't I, need to go from a two to a nine just yeah. because you have cuts. You can go from yeah. a two to a three. And yeah, you have because you're sacrificing a lot of different things. One is, obviously, as you go up, cost. One costs more than the other. Yep. The other one is all of a sudden you got dexterity and you got issues where people are taking their gloves off to do their job, which is they're not in the right glove if they have to do that. Cool. All right. Last one I have is can you provide some tips for heavy retractables not pulling down our harnesses? Well, the first thing would be to buy lighter weight. Or, uh, self-retracting lanyards. I yeah. And so you have some of them out there that still have metal housings or, you know, kind of old school stuff, but limiting the weight of the actual, you know, if it's a twin leg or single leg SRL, I mean, most of the time you can get a single leg down under two pounds nowadays. Yeah. And whether it's, a, uh, I'm trying to think of some of the trade names of them. Nano lock. Nano lock would be one that's small. Uh, Miller turbo or twin. Well, twin turbo is the the double leg, but yeah, can't I believe I, we're all drawing, drawing yeah. blanks here. But mighty to, light wasn't it? It used to be mighty light. Yeah, mighty light was the the true <laughs> retractables. Diablo Guardian has the Diablo. Guardian has a Diablo. Everybody's got. Yep. It's hard to keep up with all these names or whatever. Right. Um, but trying to get a lighter weight device will help that. Having a, a how to say, not the cheapest harness out there. Because a lot of times the way that they're designed is not conducive to having, you know, a lot of weight on that, that D-ring and causes that D-ring over a day to all of a sudden, you know, you're gonna creeping. you're gonna you're gonna be Peter Pan when you actually fall instead of actually how the harness is designed, meaning yeah. uh, some harnesses will have, you know, a fixed uh, fixed webbing around the D-ring. Um, some of them now in the back pad will have uh, an insert to where you can put put it to where you're not hanging it off the, the dorsal D-ring. Right. Um, the D-ring can be kind of sewn in yeah. so it doesn't move within the padding. Yep, but getting a, a system that's really designed for it, and yeah. a lot of times it's just in the cost of the cost of the harness, because it's not not typically a compliance level, you know, fifty sixty dollar harness. I mean, you're usually going to be over a hundred dollars. Yeah. I would still say the number one issue though is fit. Would be having that harness on correctly and tight enough against your body 
Um, no doubt about it. Because otherwise, if it's a little bit loose and you put any kind of weight on your back, it's going to move right away if it's not tied up against your body and fit correctly. So yep. that'd be the first thing I'd look at. So cool. We'll close those up for, for this week and wait until next week for more exciting questions. So, hey, uh, I don't know if you've seen this, but there was a, a case of a, a kid that was shot and killed. I think it was in Maryland. And... Um, his family, instead of doing the typical uh, open casket and like having, you know, where you, the casket's there, it's open, the guy's laying there on his back, they had him embalmed and they're considering it like extreme embalming. And so he's propped up in a chair, embalmed in a chair with sunglasses on, his Kyrie Irving basketball jersey on, holding a video game controller with a TV on right in front of him and like a bag of cheetos sitting next to him and like that's so like you go to like the funeral and you walk up and it's just the kid sitting there like as he was like it's starting to become a new trend i saw another one of a guy sitting in his taxi cab that he drove for 30 years or something like that and you go to the funeral and they're not laying in a casket they're like in like an action pose you can't see this but like i have a look of disgust on my face because <laughs> i mean i have enough i mean i'm, I'm kind of a redneck and i Sometimes I'm like, don't you have enough animals hanging off the wall? Why do you need more stuff to, you know? So I can't imagine going, hey, hey, Bill, the taxidermist, can you come over and, you know, get my yeah. get my son in a, you know, <laughs> three-point stance here? There's your, there's your photo. That's awful. Yeah. That was by, and then part of me is like, that's awesome. Like, your lasting image of that person isn't laying there dead it's playing video games no nope. disagree hard no, disagree no, no i'm literally disgusted like the rest of my life i'm like can you believe that somebody's parents would show them off like that all right so let's say you're not disgusted though and you had to be embalmed at your funeral doing one activity for your family and friends to come walk by what are you doing i i, I don't even know what to say because I, I've already told my. I have a coffee can that sits in my window at home. Yeah, that, that's my. That's Dad's coffee can. Yeah, when they're done, don't even pay. They're gonna want five hundred dollars for some urn. Just put me in a coffee can and throw. No, I, I don't even know what to say. I guess you could put me like at my desk, mashing keys or whatever, with a headset on, with the papers all around you holding your head in your hands stressed out sweating yeah have like a fountain hooked up so you're just constantly dripping sweat i don't sweat that much oh just you're so stressed out oh well from this stuff just trying to think of something to have a cool action shot there you go all right so that segment fell kind of flat on its face i didn't get quite the reaction i was going for wasn't ready for that one nope yeah i probably should have warned you ahead of time hey we're gonna be i'm gonna show you a picture of a dead kid if you don't mind so, for that exciting uh, conclusion to this episode of Dave and Bacon Safety Tales, uh, definitely uh, talk to the new guy on your crew. Talk to employees that aren't listening. Um, let them know about us. We appreciate a growing audience. Um, reach out to us if you have any questions or concerns. Or just want to say, hey, I think you guys are doing a great job. Or, hey, I think you guys suck. Uh, stop talking about golfing or fishing and just get, to the, get down to the meat and the potatoes. That's all I want to hear. The rest of it's BS. Let us know not, what you not think. That can hurt her feelings. <laughs> right. So that's it for us today. Uh, we'll be back again next week with another episode. Um, get home safe tonight. Safety seems like common sense, but 
really it's just not the case. So we got to think about what we're doing and be prepared. So go have a beer. We'll see you next week. Safety has no quitting time. Thanks. Thanks for listening in to Dave and Bacon Safety Tales, brought to you by Quad City Safety. Send us your questions on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter at Quad City Safety. Hashtag Safety Tales. Or email them to Fred at quadcitysafety.com. He's the guy keeping this mess of a show in line. And if you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. It's a kick-ass way to show that you care about safety.